Hello, 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 Gaspel Baptist Church. Glad you're tuned in for another Wednesday evening. I want to share just a little bit of scripture tonight. I wanted us to look at how important, question mark, how important basically is God's word to us? And only we can answer that. And we're going to be in the book of 2 Timothy tonight, uh, beginning in chapter 3, verse 14. And before we read that, I'm going to leave some word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the day. We ask that uh, you'll guide us into your word tonight. And Holy Spirit, you'll make the word go forth in power and in truth. Give us understanding. Lord, help us to apply it to our lives and live better because of it. And we thank you for meeting with us tonight. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, let's just begin with, with the scripture, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, we're going to begin with verse uh, 14. Now, in the first part of chapter 2, he's talking about what the end days will be like. and Men are lovers of themselves and money and greedy and powerful and disobedient to parents. And you'll face persecutions and things will grow worse and worse. Uh, but then he tells us how to not to worry or how to solve that problem. In verse 14, he shares with Timothy and he shares with us these words. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. All right. And he had learned the first gospel presentation from his grandmother and his mother. And then he had learned further from being Paul's close associate. And he says, and that from childhood you've known the Holy Scripture scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be completely and thoroughly equipped for every good work. And basically what I wanted us to understand how important is God's word to us will show up in how we live. It'll show up in what we believe. What is our worldview? Do we have a, a worldview that is distinctly Christian in nature? Or does our world, have we swallowed so much of the world that you can't really tell it's been so watered down? Uh, basically, what I want us to understand is that God's Word helps bring people to salvation. God's Word helps bring people to salvation. So how important is it? For us to share God's word with people. How important is it for us to know God's word? How important is it for us to study God's word? To remember God's word? Memorize God's word? And only we can answer that on an individual basis. And then it should show up on a corporate basis. What uh, priority is God's word in our Sunday school or discipleship classes? What priority is God's word in our worship services? What Priority is God's word in the things we do as a church in our community. And so there's two, three things that I wanted us uh, to realize. The first one sounds very simple, but maybe it's not if we haven't immersed ourselves in God's word. And that's this. Something new is not needed. Something new is not needed. In speaking to these... Uh, uh, these false teachers, 
In verse 7, Paul says they are always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They're always after the newest thing, the newest whatever. All right, and, and churches have to be where that we, where we want the newest programs, we want the newest songs, we want the newest this or that or the other. But something new isn't necessarily what's needed. The thing might be we need the same gospel, but maybe a different way to proclaim it or a different way to share it or a different method, if you don't like the word new way. All right, and, and something new is not... Needed. He says in this first verse, but you must continue. And the word continue there uh, is a command. And it means you keep at it. You don't give up. You don't change this. You must continue. And then he says what we're to continue in. In the things which you have learned and been assured of, the gospel, uh, the holy scriptures, what we know is truth or we hold dear is true. Knowing from whom you've learned them. Now, as I said, Timothy had learned them from Paul. He knew Paul. He knew Paul's character. He'd been with Paul on these missionary journeys. He had, he had served Paul. Uh, Paul had left him at different places to strengthen the churches, to establish new work. Paul had taught him what to do and taught him the Holy Scriptures. But before Paul did... We need to understand that his grandmother and his mother did. And we'll talk about that in, a, in just a, a minute, okay? What he's really saying is this. Effective defenders of the faith, okay? Effective defenders of the faith need strong convictions that are built on a solid spiritual foundation. See, we call that apologetics where we defend the faith. And apologetics usually take one of two tracks. They take the track of philosophy and logic, or they take the track of really being built on God's Word. Now, I don't think they're, they're necessarily exclusive. You can say, we believe this because it's logical, but we believe this because this is how God's Word defends itself. This makes sense because of the logic we're using and because we can attack the different uh, philosophies of the world with God's Word. And we can defend our faith. We know what we believe. And he's saying you've got to continue. It's a command. It means keep on keeping on in these things you've learned. Don't give up on what you've learned. Let the Holy Spirit take what you've learned. Let him bring it to your remembrance. Uh, let him establish you in it. All right? Become a strong uh, Christian, okay? In verse 17 he says, You do this that you may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The work that God wants to do in us needs to be built upon the foundation that we know as His Word. We need to know our Bibles. One of the greatest problems in America today, especially American Christianity, evangelical churches, is biblical ignorance. We quote things all the time that not, aren't necessarily in the Word of God. God helps those who help, him, help themselves. That isn't in God's Word. Okay, I can, I can give several examples of, of those kinds of things, but you need to understand those are little trite little sayings we've picked up, and they may be based off of a portion of God's Word, but it doesn't come out and say that. Okay, wisdom is frowned in God's Word. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Do we understand that? 
James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally without reproach. In other words, he doesn't say, you just got some yesterday. No, he just keeps on giving it as we keep on depending on it. And we need uh, not something new, but we need to start immersing ourselves and studying God's word and memorizing God's word and finding what the doctrines that are taught in scripture are that are based upon God's word so we know what we believe. There, there, there's something that I'm going to say, and it, it probably isn't going to sound nice, and I mean for it to be nice, but you know, it isn't just get along to be getting along with other denominations. It isn't just, it makes no difference, Brother Gary. We all go to the same place and we're all, no. There's only one way to get to heaven and that's through Jesus Christ. And we have some people that think you can add to it or take away from it, all right? And that's a false gospel. It has to be on the finished work of Christ. It has to be by faith alone, in Jesus alone, by grace alone. That's how we are saved. Do we understand that? And we, something new isn't needed. It's not some new doctrine that comes down, you know, not some new teaching you never heard before. What we need is to know what our Bible really says, not what the radio preacher or the TV preacher tries to convince us of. All right? What does the Word of God say? The Holy Spirit is there to teach us all things, to bring all things to our remembrance. All right? If what I am saying, if what another Bible teacher is saying lines up with the Word of God, the Holy Spirit's going to say, that's right, that's right, that's right. And in your heart, you're going to know it. But there should be alarm bells going off if somebody's saying something that you can't find in your Bible or your spirit's disturbed because you don't think that's in the Bible. They've gone way off track. It might be another gospel. It's not something new needed, but rather what we've learned among those that we know had our best interests, those that loved us and cared for us. And that brings me back to that point about where Timothy learned these things. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, Paul is writing this to Timothy. And 2 Timothy is probably the last book, but he's going to tell Timothy, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. The last book that Paul wrote. Because he's going to be executed after this book. Okay? And... What he says is he's there in jail. He, 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 he says in verse 4 I'm, I, I, of 2 Timothy 1, uh, I am greatly desired to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am also persuaded is in you also. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. You see, he had learned these truths. He had learned the word of God from his grandmother and his mother. That, that's the second point that I want to emphasize. Childhood is the right place to begin. Don't be some of these <clears throat> modern parents. and They're going to let their children decide what religion they are. They're going to let their children decide what they believe and what not to believe. That goes against everything the Word of God teaches us as parents and of the way we're supposed to raise up and train our child in the admonition and nurture of the Lord. It goes against everything we believe about leading people to Jesus. If it doesn't start at the home, it never spreads anywhere. All right? If it isn't emphasized in the home, the home is weak and anemic. And we have weak and anemic Christians because of that. 
Childhood is the right place to begin training up a child in the way he should go so when he is older or old, he will not depart from it. Do we understand that? Here's a young man. He is serving as Paul's right-hand man. He is dependable. He is a fellow worker. He's enduring the tribulation and the trials with Paul. He probably didn't have Paul's fiery attitude or, or Paul's get-in-your-face kind of personality. Um, we think he might have been a little bit timid the way Paul writes to him to stir up the gift and not to back down and not to be ashamed of Paul's chains, etc., etc. But... Paul could depend on Timothy because he knew what Timothy believed and Timothy would hold to the truth because he'd been taught it since he was a little bitty fella. And that's why we have Sunday school for all age groups. Adults, if we just think that Sunday school and the ministries are the best thing for the kids but not for us, we've missed the whole point. He said to continue in the things you'd learn. In other words, continue learning. Don't think you've arrived. Don't think that you're in some kind of higher spiritual plane and church has nothing for you. Classes have nothing for you. Nothing could be further from the truth. That is spiritual arrogance. That is spiritual pride. And pride always goes before the fall. And God opposes those who are prideful but gives grace to the humble. Do we understand that? But mainly, we need to live up to our responsibility. Now, I've said it before. I want to be able to teach children correctly. Brother Galen wants to treat, teach youth correctly. But it is not Brother Galen's job to make your child or your youth, and it's not my job either, make them attend church. Uh, we offer all kinds of things, even during this pandemic. Brother uh, Galen has had Zoom calls where they interacted personally on the on the. A video screen where they could ask questions. He's taught lessons. Uh, he's played uh, uh, video games with them online so they could interact, etc., etc. Things have been offered. If your child isn't attending, don't blame me. Don't blame Brother Galen. That's your fault. If you're not a man of God enough or a woman of God enough to make your children participate, then you've got a problem. Okay? Now, that's going to make a lot of people really angry, all right? But I just told you the truth. People are all the time, Brother Gary, you got to talk to my child. Your child is your child. I raise mine. I'm in the process of helping my grandkids now. I don't mind helping children. If they have spiritual questions, I'll be glad to sit in with you, okay? But I'm not to be the disciplinary in your household. Don't use the old thing, I'll call Brother Gary make them afraid of me. They're already afraid of me, all right? But you need to understand, you're the parent. Be the parent. That's my soapbox for today. But childhood is the place to begin teaching the Word of God. Okay? Uh, just, a, just a verse and ask them what they think it means. Uh, try to get them to memorize it during the week. Give them a little piece of bubble gum or candy if they do. Uh, Quiz them on it. It'll make you and I learn when we make our kids learn. But see, childhood is the place to begin teaching them what they believe and why they believe it. When they come home from school and you sit around the supper table and you need to reclaim the supper table. Okay, the supper table is not the time for phones, tablets, 
computers, etc. The supper table is a time to look them in the eye and then look you in the eye and find out what they're learning at school. And when they come across something and said, so-and-so said this or so-and-so said that, then say, what do you think we believe on that? And that's your place to instruct them. Maybe on what the Bible says. You say, ooh, that scares me to death. What if I don't know? Say, I'm going to find out. And then if you need to call me for help, we'll find out. But that's your way to instill Christian values in them. That's your way to teach them how to defend their faith. Well, yes, the world thinks that, but the Bible says this. And the reason it says this is because we believe that it teaches this. All right? So ground them in the faith rather than let them float around in some of these ideas that are pure humanism and will harm them. Teach them the Word of God beginning in their childhood and continue as they get older. All right? Is it easy? No. Just look for teachable moments. All right, so something new is not needed. Childhood is the place to begin. But the third thing is this. Salvation is the result of faithfully heeding God's word. Salvation is, is the result of faithfully heeding God's word. Now, this is what he says to Timothy uh, when he said this, that knowing that from childhood you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. There's something about the Word of God that the Holy Spirit takes and convicts hearts and pierces hearts because if they're taught this is the truth from the beginning because it is the truth, then when the Holy Spirit applies that Scripture to their hearts, they realize they're a sinner. They realize they cannot save themselves. They realize they have to place their faith in Jesus. And the Bible's promise is they will. One of the most amazing statistics that, that I learned in college and seminary, if you could get a lost person to actually come, let's say uh, 48 out of 52 weeks of Sunday school during the year, they would be saved. And those same things happen. If your Sunday school class is teaching God's Word, not visiting about the weather or the local sports team, but actually teaching God's Word, where they're learning, whether you're interacting, whether you can have questions and you can answer questions and back and forth, and whether you're applying it to their uh, stage of life. Here's what this means for us as we live today. And think about how old they are, what different stages they're in. So, they, okay, at this stage, we've got little kids. Here are all the stressors for that. Here's how God's Word helps that, how God's Word helps that. But you see, that still holds true even today if you can get them there. All right? But you see, it's something about hearing God's Word that brings about salvation. And one of my favorite things to look at when I tell people that and they look at me funny is Romans chapter 10. Now, uh, chapter 10 uh, tells you, you know, in, in verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God's raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with mouth confession is made in salvation. Okay? Uh, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. There's no distinction between Jew, Greek, okay? And then verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then Paul goes further and wants us to understand. How then shall they call on him, the Lord, in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe 
in him who they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things and then he goes on in verse 17 and says so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God uh, God's Word tells us, I think it's in the book of Hebrews, I can't remember my reference right now. It says that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between the thoughts and the intents of the heart, between uh, the joints and the marrow, okay? In other words, it judges our mind, our, our intents, and it, it cuts to the quick, all right? That means it cuts hard, and, and they're not going to get soon over that. They can argue with my logic and you logic. If I can argue them into it, somebody else can argue them out of it. But the Spirit of God takes the Word of God, the sword of God, and pricks their heart and they can't get over it. And if you pray for them that Satan won't steal it away, the Holy Spirit just keeps hammering them with that Word of God that you've shared with them and brings them to salvation. Do we understand that? But see... This is how I know whether God's Word is really, really important to us. Are we sharing it with our kids, our grandkids, our neighbors? Are we sharing it in our Sunday school classes? Are we sharing it? Maybe we write somebody a little encouraging note. We put a scripture on there. Not to lift us up. Not to look super spiritual. It's not to draw attention to us. But so the Holy Spirit can take the Word of God and use the Word of God to help a person. I always say I don't argue out of ignorance. They want to argue this domination versus that domination, or they want to argue uh, philosophy and this and that and the other. And I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with those things. But if I'm going to argue, I'm going to have my chance to share the Word of God. Because while they can out-argue me, they can't out-argue God. And there's something about God taking that Word by the power of His Holy Spirit and using it as His sword to keep piercing their hard, cold hearts. To enlighten dull, dark minds. Alright? And so we need to use God's Word. And then we need to pray the Holy Spirit doesn't let folks escape from God's Word. Because the Holy Spirit draws people to Christ. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts of righteousness. The Holy Spirit does these things by His power. But I'm telling you, he uses God's word. He doesn't bring attention to himself. He brings attention that Jesus is lifted up. And all through God's word, you'll see Jesus being lifted up. The beginning of the book talks about the coming, the first coming of the Messiah. Okay? Uh, in the New Testament, we find him coming. And then he dies on the cross, and then he raises from the dead, and then he ascends to the Father. The end of the book tells about the second time he's going to come back in power and glory. For all to see, and every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So how important is God's Word to us? Do we have our daily quiet time? You know, some folks read through the Bible in a year. If, if that just sort of hurries you where you can't really do it, then you get a, a method of study, a few verses, a certain book, and just go just verse by verse and <clears throat> see what you can learn from that book. But make sure you have a set time and a set place to meet God. And He, in His grace and mercy, will meet you and I at those places. And we'll grow. All right?
light and he'll give us things we need and scriptures we need to make it through or to share with others so they can make it through. So how important is God's word to us? Only we can answer that. But it will show up in our lives. Have a good evening. Think about what's been said. Look to the scriptures that I mentioned and see if I'm telling you the truth. Good night, church.